You're tuning in to the late edition. Cheers. My name's Kevin. I'm from Indianapolis. I got lost in Yakima because of all these hops that are here. I just love beer, and I'm so stoked for these guys. Major podcast potential here. Champions of the industry. All the love. Ron. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the late edition for YakimaValleyHops.com. My name is Caleb Schwecki and welcome to the heart of hop country. The late edition will be a weekly podcast, hopefully weekly, uh, featuring casual, unscripted, unfiltered, most likely uncensored conversations with anybody who wanders through the door in the front of our little homebrew store here in Yakima, Washington. This includes brewmasters, farmers, breeders, scientists, homebrewers, anybody who shows up, including Kevin, who came in and was kind enough to record that delightful introduction for us. Now, this first episode happened kind of spontaneously. Four guys sitting around a table talking about hops. There was a recorder present. Somebody pushed record. This is what happens. Hope you enjoy. We'll catch up back at the end. All right, so we got we got fresh pints. Our beers are filled up. Uh, let's start off, if you could, say your name, spell it. I'm Nikolai Petra, that's N-I-C-H-O-L-I-P-I-T-R-A, and I'm a statistical geneticist and a hop breeder with Hopsteiner. Okay, so I know some of those words like statistics and genetics, but what is what do you, what do, you do? So we essentially use math to uh, make better decisions in hop breeding. So let me start over. So we have all these traits... Uh, for the, for a long time in hops, you'd be like, this hop's good, it's big, it smells nice, and then, you know, it has some kids, and you find, like, a male that seems vigorous, and hops are um, males and females, you know, you can't sell them, you actually have to have a cross, so they're an outcrossing species. So, for the longest time, you just pick a strong-looking male, but you wouldn't know anything about it, and then you'd pick a female, and you could know, like, oh, that has nice big cones and mm. smells good or whatever. Don't you know? shoot, don't shoot nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you make a cross <laughs> and you get a bunch of kids and you look at them all and, you know, a portion of them are male and then you gotta, like, you know, either rogue them out or move them somewhere else and then you gotta look at all the females and decide, you know, what's their trait you like. And that takes two years for them to get to maturity to make this observation. So one of the things we've been, you know, I mean, this is kind of an old school way of breeding and it still works. And, you know, most of the hops that you, every hop that's on the market today has been bred pretty much using this, you know, technology. And you can use, you know, math to, you know, if you find a trait is heritable, like in 50% of the kids, then you can, you know, say, well, we need this much land to plant this many plants to get 50% of the kids. And then 50% of that, we're going to be females. So, you know, they're... And then, like, one of those is going to be a winner that has all the traits we want. You know what I mean? And, like, you start adding in traits, and your probabilities get thinner, and your numbers have to go up. So... I mean, dealing mm-hmm. genetics, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Right. Yeah. And, like, this has been implied for a long time. Just, it's common, commonplace plant breeding. But in today's world with computers and sequencing, I mean, you can pay 60 bucks and get your genome sequenced. You know, it's... Uh, 
pretty easy thing nowadays. So about five years ago, we sequenced the hop genome. And uh, what we do with the hop genome is, you know, we're not manipulating it or doing GMO or, you know, changing it in any way. We're just using it as an observation point where, you know, a farmer used to walk out in the field and go, this one's big and nice. Like, I can say, like, this one's big and nice. And it looks like it has, like, two different resistances to powdery mildew. It probably isn't going to get powdery mildew in different regions, even in regions with powdery mildew, there's probably not a strain there that can be two different resistances. Um, and you know, I can see that with my eye or with my eyes on the computer screen, you know what I mean? And so like, we're not, um, putting them there. Uh, we're just making observations on the genome. So the other good advantage of being able to do, um, you know, what we call molecular markering, which is just looking at the genome is we can ask the male, like, are your daughters going to have big cones? Because, you know, uh, the male hop flower is just a reduced little, it's about the size of like a smaller, like a pencil eraser. And, uh, you know, they, uh, in the fall, they open up and they put pollen in the air and they wind pollinate. They can pollinate, I guess, for like miles, uh, you know, depending on the flow of air and whatnot. But you can't tell anything about, you know, what its traits would be you know, if it just didn't have that Y chromosome, you know what I mean? But I can actually look at it and say like, oh, this one might have like dense cones had it been a female, you know, this one might have, you know, a higher yield or, but obviously like disease resistance, you can see like powdery mildew, you can see on the leaves and whatever. But now we're being able to like kind of double time our thought processes in breeding hops by looking at the male's genome and actually being able to observe female traits. Uh, so we can, now make way, you know, more intelligent, forward-moving crosses, being able to look at males, being able to see females, and so, like, the other point to this is, I said it takes two years for your whole field to grow up and be mature enough to even look at. And so, um, one thing we can do is, when a seedling grows up, I can take a little piece of leaf off of it, you know, take a little DNA out of it, ask it, hey, do you have these markers? And if it doesn't, I can eliminate it that early. So now my land plot, you know, that I plotted for, well, half of them are going to be males, half of them are going to be, you know, not disease resistant. I can just have my whole field plotted with females and ha they all have the disease resistance. You know what I mean? So now my number game, maybe I have, you know, where I had 10,000 seedlings would fill up my whole field. Now I might make 70,000 seedlings, just have a little bit bigger greenhouse and then pick the 10,000 that are going to fill up my plot of land. So it's a uh, better land use. Uh, faster forward thinking. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty valuable tool, um, but it took a took a while to figure out how to do all that stuff. So now we're kind of taking steps towards, it used to be like, what's the sequencing? Like, we need more sequencing. That was the bottleneck, but, you know, in today's world, the actual bottleneck is the phenotyping, which is making enough observations to feed a model to predict what the genome actually means. I know that's a little... So, uh, like so, the, ball, so the ball neck is uh, observational... Right. Right, from, from like just porcelain humans in general, right? right? It's not even like necessarily a so if technology thing. So if a thousand plants and half of them got yeah. uh, powdery mildew, we could make that observation and we could feed the machine, you know, this observations, and it has like, a, you know, little bits of their genomes in there too. And it says, oh, it looks like these part of the genomes correlate highly with the ones that are resistant. Or, 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 or susceptible. Or, yeah. Why couldn't you take pictures of it and then have 
Uh, oh, we, we definitely oh, you do. do. Yeah, yeah, like, and then have, like, some sort of, uh, I don't know, program that could, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just spitballing here. I have no idea. No, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some models, anyways. <laughs> yeah, because I understand, like, we're going out, and I'm, like, yeah, right, right. constantly <laughs> looking at it as a, as a person that works there, but I think, yeah, for efficiency-wise, if you're... You have to just scope this all the time, yeah, and that is a bottleneck. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, well, and then time. so that's you know these are traits that you can see and are pretty easy to like you know draw a line in the sand about. You know what I mean? Like, does it get powdery mildew or doesn't it? You know what I mean? You know, if you wanted really long cones or something, so you took a bunch of pictures of bunch of cones, and then you said you know these ones are in the top, you know, quarter of long cones, like, and then you kind of tell your model, like, this is what I'm looking for, and then it will say, like, that correlates with this part of the genome, so then you kind of breed using those markers, um, but this is where it gets hard, so you have, like, low-hanging fruit, like, uh, observational things, but high-hanging fruit is uh, massively complicated traits, like yield, so yield is, like, you know, is it because of the amount of internodes on the bind? Is it because of the length of the sidearm? Is it because the leaves work more effectively? Because of the their ability to interact with the atmosphere is better, so they can just produce more cones, you know? Is it is yield because of the cone density, or is it yield because of the cone length? You know what I mean? Like, so there's all these things that can play into yield. Um, and then flavor is also one of those ones where you can't just get 50... This, these all smell like peach, and so, these don't. Yeah. Like, you know, like... It just what happens happen when sun way. and rainfall change? Like, you, only have a, you have a two-year mark, but what if the two years was heavy rain... And you're starting back from scratch, and you're like, well, less rain. Right. So this is the bottleneck. So you try to grow in different regions where uh, you find, you know, so this is, it's actually called E versus G. So it's the environment versus the genome. Okay. Um, so it's environmental effect versus the uh, genomic effect. So nature versus nurture, basically. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, a, and it's part of the model. So like, ideally, you like maybe get, you know, a thousand seedlings, and then you clone them all like three times. You plant them in three different places, and you assume the environment is different, or you purposely make the environment different like in the three different places and then you make all your measurements and then you can find like your you know e variable and you can then use that e variable but the thing with hops is they vary so much yeah and and like the e variable is pretty high so there's the cascade grows pretty good just about everywhere um I mean, a lot of them grow pretty good just about everywhere, but they'll smell totally different, or look totally different, or yield totally different. Um, Cascade seems to be pretty... I heard someone use this word once. I think they made it up, but holotypic, which means... I think it's a fake word that means it can grow anywhere. Rigorous. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, but a cascade grown in the United States to a cascade grown in Australia... That's what you said. That's similar with each other? I don't know if they grow Cascade. Oh, I'm just well, assuming, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you grew it in another continent... I would say Cascade is, like, one of the special ones that it seems like it stays very consistent compared to, like, the variability I've seen. Give us antithesis of Cascade. Give us the hardest, like, this needs this specific everything to grow. It's, it's, a, it's, got, it's got to be an alpha range. Yeah, I mean, I would say it might be... I mean, I'm just... I don't know what the antithesis... You know exactly would be, well, but I would say us, maybe like one. maybe like CTZ. Like CTZ loves the Yakima Valley. Okay, it grows huge. It makes tons of alpha here, and I guess I don't know if they grow in Oregon. Do they grow in Oregon. Uh, I'd assume so. No, they grow a lot more nugget. I think. Right. So I don't like, know. I they don't probably don't grow. In, okay, so yeah. let's just say, for the sake of argument, because I'm not like a dealer or whatever. Like yeah. I don't know where people grow stuff, but 
I would assume that because in Oregon they don't grow CTZ, it's because it sucks there. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they do and, that for Willamette, right? Yeah. It grows really well in Oregon. They don't do that at right. very much. It doesn't or grow like, as well here. Uh, you know, back in the day when you could like kind of transport roots around, like there's some like you know sats roots yeah. that I've seen yeah. in America in different places, and only in one place have I seen it like do okay. But if you actually go over into Europe, it's a pretty decent looking plant. You know what I mean? But just about everywhere I've seen it in America, it I don't even know if it hits the wire in some places. So are you taking soil samples and how deep? when you do a same breed multi-location? Yeah, we do soil samples, and the soil samples that we do typically are not that deep. Okay. You know, whatever your typical... There's like a soil probe, I don't know. Because the soil is different here. Absolutely. Right? Like, so... It's different everywhere. It's different, you know, I mean, how many different, uh, you know, what are those called? The wine-growing regions? Yeah, so like there's like Bordeaux, CPAs or something. Yeah, no, there there's there's twelve of them. I think there's twelve in the Yakima and the Yakima area, just specifically. And they're like justified or they're like certified different. Yeah, I don't know that's no, because you're thinking like Snipes Mountains, one of them, like Red Mountains. I mean, there's a hike where you see four different types of rocks. If I could remember what that's called, that don't exist together anywhere in the U.S. In the Yakima Valley, you see four different type of rocks. On one hike in the Yakima Valley that don't ever exist together anywhere in the U.S. So, really? part of it has to be back to soil. I was just wondering how much in testing when you say, okay, uh, year one, year two, okay, now they're mature. Uh, here's the here's the profile uh, back to soil. So, because soil doesn't vary from season to season, I think it's less important. Okay. Like the infrastructure in this valley is already here to grow hops like all the trellis is here there's a hundred million kilns there's a hundred million harvesters like the the work the knowledge it's all here in this valley so like knowledge about overwatering or underwatering in the soil that is already here is taking priority over different soil types you know what i mean or like uh maybe even like um you know spraying regiments or uh fertilizing regiments and you know how those things tend to take priority because of the infrastructure already being set up here. And, you know, I do work for a company that has, you know, our main hop growing region is the Yakima Valley. So I wouldn't say that I'm only focused on the Yakima Valley by any stretch of the imagination, but I would say that, uh, you know, things that actually affect hop growing in the Yakima Valley take precedent, especially because, you know, you have to like start knocking out things that matter quickly. I would assume that in the next few years, uh, you know, we, we've been doing soil samples in different places, and you know, the, th- the other thing about soil is it's not just like loamy or sandy. Like it's also microbiome is heavily influencing sure. what's going on, and that's such a new technology that like, and I can't, you know, I can't. But you could say that for different countries, for sure, for sure. But, but I'm saying well, for locations, yeah, yeah. If you're just I think sampling, there is. I think there is something. If they're that. just sampling the hop, no, they say send the hop back. Is also like where you grow it, right? So yeah. on this side of the that's hill, or that side of the hill. So that's right? what I was saying. Yeah, Rob, I, I was saying that for the wines, right? Like, so that's in the area is the terroir area of like where we're growing right, to right. get those characteristics. That's why it's identified as but, that. Hops I, could go that way. But but I'm saying if oh, if sure. If the soil is this way here, yeah. and it's not this way there, even though temperature, right. uh, precipitation, all of it is relatively similar, 
if the soil's different, if the hop's different, right. and if we're only testing the hop and then looking at factors that we can see and not soil testing. So there's another aspect to this when you talk to wine people about terroir and growing regions and like so they're both in the ground they stay in the ground you know they come back you you know almost never replace a mine grape mm-hmm. they might replace hop roots every so often if they get virus load or something like that but um the main difference is wine is made of grapes yeah and yeast you know what okay. I mean? and beer has like you know 30,000 different additions yeah. 40, 100 million styles and like so like it's kind of like uh, grape is really important like it's your one ingredient yeah. as opposed to like in hops like you know you might be able to like cover up some things or move some things around or you know adjust if this one's not as fruity this year or you know and the end product you might be able to you know, still achieve sort of what you're going for without maybe having like the most consistent every single year you know what I mean but that's why they come here and do selections is they know what they're looking for you know and some people they're looking for something weird, and they, if they get that weird note, and they buy that lot, you know what I mean? And it's maybe not always the same farmer from the same hill, mm. but they, you know, they'll find the, the profile they want, and then they'll purchase those hops, you know? A great relevant example of that is um, the Northeast IPA, right? The, re- the interaction that it has with oats, like you were telling me, just goes to show like how different hops are in comparison to state red grapes right because right. I mean, there is different interactions that happen with the other ingredients even in the beer right well yeah, I, so it's hard to, it's hard to isolate I think and, and year over year uh, the same beer you had last year at the same exact recipe at the same exact hop it's a different hop this year and the beer is going to be slightly different picking windows are here I, totally that's one of them picking windows like when you're picking the hops like you mm-hmm. know really wanting to know to do that I know there's so many different variables I don't know how you right and you just try and to like that just makes like evaluation like it goes back to like I keep talking about the orange creamsicle or whatever but like the evaluation of a raw product that goes through such a complicated thing like where as opposed to like maybe if you did like grape evaluation you'd be like oh this year is going to be good for the you know Merlot you know people wine's wine's different too because like <laughs> vintage vintage yeah. vintage vintage is like a totally yeah you might have you might not try that for another three years so you're sitting on something that like mm-hmm. where beer is made in the almost in the immediate sense where it, you know i don't know well it's not necessarily true i mean people are making stuff with old hops for sure yeah uh, I, is that one of the differences between a mature market and an emerging market so wine i mean there's eight thousand wineries in america but there's still only i think you could just liken it to like coffee as well like coffee is a you know a bean that gets roasted and then you, you extract you, know, you grind it and you roast yeah. it you add water to it and it's some way and every one of those has a stack of variables mm-hmm. but compared to making beer with hops in it you know there's like I'm, you know two other raw products yeah. like i mean it's just like just well, blows the amount of variables out of the water. Part of the significance of coffee, though, is soil. We, have, we don't ever talk about soil. Coffee, you say, okay, this is grown at a certain altitude in a certain place with this type of soil. No one ever talks about soil. It's also no, because it hops are grown in, like, you know, four... I mean, I guess they grow them in Michigan now, they grow them in Minnesota or whatever, but, like, typically... I mean, so, like... Asheville everywhere between Everywhere between, you know, those two longitudes in the whole world, you know, like from Kenya to Central America, you know, like, India, Southeast Asia, like, everybody grows coffee in all those regions, you know what I mean? So, like... But it's not a, it's not a main export, this is delicious coffee. And they don't talk about acidity of soil. 
but but they were but they're also using the variable they're roasting it so right it, it depends on the roaster how they're treating that bean too but that's heat, another that's another you're heating up the hob in liquid no I know I know uh, yeah that's the same I think that's where he was going with the coffee thing right so but you like heat up the hop in liquid in like forty different places in the process you know what I mean like it's, there's a lot of places that have yes right. cocoa trees but there's not a lot of places that are like no no, no I mean places in the process of making beer. You know, like early edition. Oh, yeah, he's talking trust, about trust, making trust, beer. Trust, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Happen? Are you using or, pellets? Are you grinding it? Are you using whole cone? Are you, you know, what adjuncts? Are you using concentrates? I'm like, still yeah, saying yeah. soil yeah. is is at least marketable of utmost importance. Yeah, coffee. I don't know. I don't. And no one talks. I don't. About it yeah, hops. I'm surprised that the the like the the bigger merchants haven't really looked at soil. Old but, but but it goes to show what isn't important. What is important? It's the agronomics of it. I think. And I think it's the more of how much can you produce per acre. Are, and are getting are you getting flavor traits and then it's you so can get more specific? I think they to. will. I think they. Will. I think I think that's that re- that research will. Like, I think it will go on. this yeah. way for sure. Yeah. I also think like a lot of the big brewers, like they know what they want. Yeah. You know what I mean. And if they find something different, then they try to imagine what they can do with it. Um, but like, you know, I guess maybe, you know, let's say you want a little bit of cheese in the background of your. Chinooks or something. Mm, cheese and mushrooms. I don't think any. I don't think anybody wants cheese at all. I want yeah, cheese and mushrooms. Let me first say. Cheese and mushrooms. You come to selection, and you're like, you know, like oh, there cheese. it is. There's the pine up front, and that little bit of funk in the back. Yeah. That's gonna make. That's our. That's our IPA hop. That's what's on the front. A little funk in the back. Give me that cheese after the please. <laughs> <laughs> We connected at the rhizome, so maybe you should try some Pops, we got a lot, and we ain't afraid to buy some Sure, we got your variety in store And we're prepared to pack it up and then send it out the door Next day air if you need it These orders get completed From the source fresh, let us know when you receive it Most can't believe it, but still we let them know How we've been shipping these hops from east to west coast So raise a glass, give a toast to the hops that rock the most Not to brag a boast, but we even got your oats Uh, 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 oats Yeah that's right. Yakimaballeyhops.com, baby. See us. <laughs> so let's step back a little bit and talk about scope. You're talking about two years before you even like know what these little seedlings are doing, how they present. You're talking about 10,000 seedlings in a generation. Talk about the scope. Start to finish. Yeah, I mean, how many individuals do you deal with? How many individuals do you, do you kill? Let's say you start with 10,000 and then, you know, you pick, um, you know, oh, so then you plant them out, right? And then you wait two years and they're all maturity. You walk through, you pick, you know, let's say, let's say a thousand. It's sometimes not even a thousand, sometimes, well, because sometimes like half the seedlings don't make it, blah, 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 you know, so, and then males and all this, so let's say you pick 300 out of that 10,000, and you, then you clone them out and you plant, um, you know, five of them next to each other and you plant you know in what's called a multi-hill nursery or well so you for the first one is a single hill nursery 
because uh, there's one hill for every variety, um, one plant, you know. And so now two years have passed, you select, and then you, the next year, plant out a multi-hill nursery, which, you know, has, let's say, 10 or 8, or, you know, it just depends on your setup, but um, of these plants. So now you have... You selected 300, you have 10 of each of them, you're at 3,000 plants again, um, and you know every year you have more seedlings coming in, so it's kind of a rotating thing, but two years later, um, you have a few of these and you can kind of see if they play well with others, you can look at their canopy structure, you can actually get a good idea of the yield, because like, you know, the single hill, if like the one next to it was really just a Charlie Brown, and it's getting just tons more sun, and like, you know, it's actually outcompeted its root. And it ends up, you know, really looking good, but then next to a bunch of other people, or not people, sorry, you can tell them I care about these things. <laughs> uh, next to a bunch of other hops, um, you know, it doesn't perform as well, you know what I mean, because it doesn't have that competitive advantage. So you have to plant them in some structure where you can actually see a few of them next to each other, you know, do they play well with others is kind of the... Um, and then so... At that point, you can you have some hops. You can actually get like a small amount to give to like people to do test brews with. But um, this is actually where like the brewer really gets involved too. Like you would bring you know some brewers through, and like if somebody's like, "Wow, like that one, you know, it's cherry bubble gum, and I just gotta have it." You know, you try to keep them away from the ones that actually are not performing. So you have to you kind of be like, "This one's performing well. What do you think about it?" Or you know, uh, we'll send it through the. You know, aroma panel, like internal aroma panel. Um, you know, most top companies have you know, at least a way to like describe their product. You know, mm -hmm. at most, you know, a way to start using the feedback in a scientific way. But we get to that later. Um, the multi hill nursery. So then, like, let's say a few people are like, I do like this certain one. You know, just call him Kyle and. Everybody comes through and they're like, yeah, Kyle's good, you know. So then you blow it up to, like, let's say 80 hill, like, where you can maybe make a bale or two out of it. And you can really start getting it out to people. You can also see, you know, like, sometimes they get to that stage and, like, when they get that many planted in a row, like, you're like, wow, you know, like, we looked really good and when there was 10 of them. But now that we're trying to make, you know, two bales out of this, we actually only got, like, a half bale, you know what I mean? It just looked good, but when we went through the process, it didn't pick well or it didn't press well or it shatters in the machine. So like the way the machines work, there's a lot of rolling belts and fans. So like fans will blow the leaves off, but the hops will all, like dribble belt will roll down. and then trickle down economics. Yeah, trickle down economics <laughs> and hops. And, um, but like if they don't do that, like if they start breaking apart, they'll get blown away by the fans. And so like, you know, it's just, the, uh, there's a lot of little tests that they have to go through all the way here. So if you're counting, it's two years to maturity and there's one. Then it's two more years, year four, we have five at maturity. And that's actually a little bit accelerated because sometimes you do a nursery and a single hill, it all depends. But anyway, so we're at year four or six right now. And then we've planted, you know, the, the two bale maybe. And so now we're at year six or eight and people just start to be able to get to brew with it. So now, year 8 or 10, let's say people are going buku for it, we can start planting, you know, 5-acre, 10-acre, 7-million-acre plots. There's still two more years, like we're at year 10 or 12 from the time you actually, you know, and then a year before that you conceptualize the cross and actually slap the males and the females together, you know. And so, I mean, 
it's a 13, it's 10, 8 to 13 year process before, you know, it's actually a thing. So, I mean, that's job security for me. Um. <laughs> but there's huge opportunity cost, right? I mean, what if going into the single hill, you have a dud? It's tough. It's a num- I mean, that's why I kept saying earlier, I guess, it's a, such a numbers game is, I mean, you know, if you want to do it, you need to plant a lot of them unless, you know, you get lucky. Some people, you know, they just find it on a post and they're like, it's the next big brand and they make a bazillion bucks. But, you know, lately it's been trendy to put out a, a variety like every year, you know what I mean? And uh, I think that if you don't have something that exceeds what's currently out there um, by a lot it doesn't really make sense to just throw another one out there. So that's the question. Where's the saturation point? So, I mean, that's a good question. That's maybe not for me to answer because I'm not the market or the brewer, you know, (laughs) guy. But I would say that, you know, what we're aiming for is something that's going to come in to the market and, you know, turn people's heads. You know what I mean? Like, and you could go through, you know, that whole 13-year process and it could get all the way to the end and you'd be like, this one seemed good. But, like, is it really that good? Because, like, you know, another thing is, like, um, people's preference changes. I mean, like, think about, you know, what was it? Two years ago, like, sour, or what, four years ago, six years ago, sours were, like, a secret, and then now they got big, and now you can buy them in bottles everywhere, and now, like, hazy, like, people are trying to get it overnighted to them, and, you know, before that, you know, obviously what launched the whole market was, you know, the IPA. Northwest IPA, too, right. yeah. So... Begs the question. West Coast. Uh, West Coast IPA, yeah. What's the craziest flavor someone has asked for in a hop? If you can, if you can answer that question. Uh, that's, a, that's a wild thing is because I'm always asking people, like, to ask me for something. Okay. And no okay, one okay. ever asked me for anything. They're okay. Like, we just want something different or something wild or something. You know, some people are like, oh, we want something subtle, which is something you hear sometimes. Huh. But, like, other, most of the time people are like, I want something that, like, as soon as I, like, touch it, it you know, I think I opened a bag of Skittles or whatever, or, you know, I want it. But, like, I don't know, some of the wilder things, I mean, coconut's not super uncommon now for a lot of the experimentals. Chocolate. And, yeah, that's People have been trying to get chocolate for a long time. Now. It's in a lot of the experimentals I've seen around. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of wood flavor. But you personally, what what have you heard that someone's like, hey, I wish you could breed this flavor? Let me think about it. Well, even going back to the coconut... <laughs> i got to think about that. Maybe. I mean, coconut's weird. But. but, I mean, going back to the coconut, that came about because of the Neo-Mexicanus genetics? Is that... No. No? No? No, no okay. wait, wait. Uh, Sanders is a Neo-Mexicanus set, though. What? Right? Uh, I guess I can't say that. I mean, we have hop hunters. We do, you know, we are... No, the, the, there's Sorry. articles published. No, yeah, yeah no, I'm not worried about it. I'm not, yeah. well, not relating it, it to... Neo-Mexicanus isn't coconut, though. Yeah, uh, that's one descriptor that they use, for sure. I don't. It's funky though. It's another species of hops, which is completely different in the genetics. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, it's good. It's a good thing. I mean, so okay. So like you know, yeah. There's just like wild hop hunters around that like we're kind of trying to collect a germplasm and make a good germplasm repository. I mean, not even here in Yakima, just around mm-hmm. the world, like strengthen the germplasm repositories of hops around the world for the longevity of hop. You know what I mean? Because like. Uh, I don't know, the Czech Republic... Is it the Czech Republic still? No, Czechel, yeah. It turns about yeah, Czech yeah. Republic. No, it's Czech Republic. Oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's not So, uh, <laughs> anyway. But no, but you, no, no, you're talking... Yeah, so it doesn't become a monocrop where it becomes more susceptible right. to disease. Well, they got, like, right? citrus-cracking yeah. virus in hop recently, which just, like, wiped out 
I mean, everything I got, like, they don't even grow, and then the root dies. What is it called again? Sorry. Citrus cracking virus. Citrus cracking virus. So they think, like, some dude was, like, eating an orange with a hop knife, and then went back to, like, chopping, and somehow, like, it just worked. And that's, I mean, there's a paper on it, you know, you can look it up, but it was, like, destruction. Um, so, you got nature having an impact, you got nurture having an impact. What role does sex play with hop? I mean, as far as I know, like... And I have to say this, but I mean, hops do have the ability to be hermaphroditic. Like, Cascade will go hermaphroditic if it gets too hot. Um, it's a pretty common thing. Which can down the yield. Um, but the pollen in the hermaphrodites is not viable in any case that I've observed. I've, you know, I've probably heard people say that it is, but I've also heard that if you, you know, put a weed plant on a hop root, it will start to venate and also never seen that i think there's a lot of like kind of hearsay about random stuff also i think there's there's a, a ditch weed not like marijuana weed but i can't remember what its name is and they grow it in england and it used to actually occupy the female um pollen receiving part of the mm-hmm. flower and then not let you know, male pollen in because they actually have males that's all over because it grows in like their ditches and stuff all over England and so it helped to not have seeded crop but they just sort of abandoned that and now they just have seeded crop in English hops which is a very small part of the industry but yeah, you don't breed I mean there's a lot about sex there's a uh, I don't know I can talk about this but it's going to get so weird like we published a paper recently about, um, well, and there was a paper published by OSU, um, John Henning and Steve Hill, uh, Dr. Henning and Dr. Hill, um, about translocations between the X and Y chromosomes, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a foreign idea, and then we did published a paper on translocation events and hops during meiosis that leads to like different amounts of genetic material and gametes i mean hops have some really 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 crazy things going on in their chromosomes and i don't know if that's like this podcast yeah for sure you know explore but 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 i mean they're they're interesting right i mean they're they're not just look up uh dr henning if you want to see it see about it osu scientist steve hill's paper and then uh myself and Dr. Dong Zhang and Catherine Easterling with Paul Matthews and Ed Buckler. We just published a paper in Plant Genome last month about these events in the hop genome, if it is something that interests you. That would be better for people to yeah. do than me try to explain it. No, right, right, right. We need a whiteboard in like three more hours. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the first episode of The Late Edition. A big thank you to Nikolai for being so generous with your time. We held him hostage for another hour, hour and a half after the recorder got turned off. Talked about some more interesting stuff. Be great to have him back next time he stops by the hop shop. We can turn the recorder back on, ask him some more questions. So 
It'd be great to hear from you. What do you want to learn from Nikolai? Super smart dude. Let's pick that brain. Uh, send us some questions, comments. We want to know what you think of this podcast. What direction do you want us to go with it? Who do you want us to talk to? There's a lot of cool people that stop by here, so a lot of cool potential. But we want to know what, what you want to hear. Uh, we do know that it was a little rough around the edges. We will uh, get some higher quality mics in the future. Like I said, it was kind of just a spontaneous sort of spur of the moment thing but here we go first one's in the books original music this hour brought to you by yakima valley hops own steve quantrell he makes beats does some beatboxing writes some words talented dude also packs your hops so if you order from spothops.com he's the dude that's been signing packing slips also makes some cool music Corey hacker was also in there in the middle see you next week Thank you.